Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good Sunday morning. Rashini Rajkumar with you along with Dr. David Hilden. And I have to say on today's Healthy Matters, by the way, phone and text lines are open, 651 989 9226. Dr. Hilden, I'm really honored that we're doing a topic on this show in the history of the 12-year show you've never done before. I'm really happy to to be here to witness this with you. Well, thank you, Rashini. Exactly. I don't think we've ever talked about delirium before, at least not specifically. There's been a question, you know, that come in on open line shows and the like, but delirium is an extremely common condition where people get confused, and it can happen to young people and old people, although it's more common in old people. And it can happen in the hospital. It can happen in people who are living independently. It can come and go. And so we're going to talk about that weird condition where your brain isn't quite functioning like you want it to. Now, many of us might feel that way early on a Sunday morning, but we don't have delirium. We're going to talk about it with two experts. Um, and so I'm going to get to them in just a second. I do want to give people a couple other things to think about. Our, at Hennepin Healthcare, uh, we have a website which has all kinds of COVID information. Because people really want to know, you know, where's the real information, where's the not real information. You can trust most of, uh, well, not most, you can trust Minnesota healthcare systems. They don't have uh, um, uh, uh, anything other than pretty solid information. And so go to hennepinhealthcare.org. Right at the top of the screen is a COVID-19 link. If you have if you have questions or information about testing, about about how you get your care done, because we are open for getting care. We are still, the clinics are open, they're safe. Um, we are making some minor changes about how we do non-emergent surgeries if you're in the hospital, but for the vast majority of people, we still have everything's open for you. And so you can uh, you can go ahead um, at hennepinhealthcare.org for that. I also wanted to just give a little shout out to a, a, a listener. It's a guy named Bill Steger. I've never met this gentleman, but I do know his uh his niece. And Dr. Leah Buddha is a doctor at Hennepin. She's a doctor in training. That's what's called a resident physician. Both she and her husband, Kevin, are doctors at Hennepin. And she talked to me about Bill as a listener. So Bill, if you're listening, thank you for being a listener. But more than that, I wanted to talk just briefly about who's doing a lot of the medical care during COVID. At Hennepin, as well as many hospitals, it's resident physicians. A resident is a real live physician, has their medical uh, training, but is just earlier in their career. And you are privileged if you get somebody like either Kevin or Leah Buddha. So I just wanted to say that um, uh, just a shout out to those younger physicians who are across this country caring for people with COVID-19 as well as everything else you have. 
And to Mr. Bill Steger, thank you for listening. And please know that your goddaughter, Leah, is an outstanding physician, as is her husband, Kevin, and all the resident physicians. So that's just a little shout out to the early career physicians who are doing so much work tirelessly for hour after hour caring for patients. So that's, that's another little bit I wanted to get out there. Um, and then lastly, just a reminder to everybody, our hospitals are in a worse condition than they've been um, this entire pandemic since, since March. Um, and so please uh, do everything you are hearing about um, what we need to do to stop this pandemic. The next one to two months are not going to be pretty in our hospital system. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to tell people your Minnesota hospitals are the best in the country, which I would say makes them the best in the world, but they're full. And um, our ICUs have just single digits left of patients, um, of availability. And so everybody needs to do their part. That means this Thanksgiving. <laughs> Whoever you live with, that's who you get to have dinner with. So um, that's all my announcements. We're, let's uh, maybe get to our delirium talk, and I can tell you about who our guests are. Yeah, so we have a lot to cover with you today. We already have questions coming in, and I want to, before we go to break, I want to let this listener know who who has texted in the question about the definition among the three Ds, delirium, depression, dementia. So something to think about, Dr. Hilden, as we uh, get ready to go to break here, because I think definitions are so important. My guess is not only in the topic of delirium, but everything we're doing right now, the clarity around how you define things for patients, how they're able to share symptoms with you. Is that correct? So that you can diagnose well. That's right. That's right, Rashini, because um, the words matter. Well, because they are different. Depression is a different condition of your mood, whereas dementia is a progressive loss of your ability to have your higher level cognitive functions like thinking and memory. And delirium is a waxing and waning, comes and goes state of confusion. So they are three different things, but they are interrelated. I'll just briefly tell you who we're going to have on the show before we go to break. I'm going to have Dr. Eric Hazen, who has expertise in providing medical care for patients with psychiatric illness. He works in the hospital with people with mental health and medical conditions and is doing a lot of our work on delirium. And then we have uh, Jackie Pucorni, who is a geriatric certified specialist in physical therapy, who for 30 years has been treating geriatrics patients, and she specializes in dementia and delirium management. So those are going to be our guests that we're going to go to right after the break, and we will welcome your calls and texts about the topic as well. All right. Well, it looks like you got the absolute correct people to cover the topic of delirium. You're listening to Healthy Matters, your host, Dr. David Hilden is here from Hennepin Healthcare. Rashini Rajkumar along for the ride until 8 o'clock. Phone and text lines are open, folks. 651-989-9226. We'll be right back. We are back on Healthy Matters. Rashini along with Dr. David Hilden. And Dr. Hilden, I know we have two very special guests, and uh, I'll turn it over to you. Thanks, Rashini. Uh, well, let's talk to Dr. Eric Hazen and Jackie um, uh, Pucorni, who uh, Dr. Hazen is a, a doctor who um, practiced primary care for a good decade, and then he came to Hennepin Healthcare about seven, eight years ago. Uh, Dr. Uh, Hazen, good to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, Eric um, works with patients in our mental health unit um, uh, and um, d- deals with the intersection of medicine and mental health. So, Eric, before I go to our second guest, if you could just give us a little a brief um, capsule of 
what kind of work are you doing with delirium in the hospital? And then um, I'll, I'll go to you, Jackie, next. Sure. So um, like you said, I, I started working at, at Hennepin um, about six, seven years ago, and um, primarily to um, take uh, better care of um, uh, medical problems that uh, psychiatric patients have when they are admitted to the hospital. Um, that's uh, a kind of a, an important and, and difficult um, area. Um, and so in in, in this patient population, there's, there tends to be a lot of delirium because of uh, the kind of crisis situation that patients come in with um, into inpatient psychiatry. And there's a lot of factors that play into that. But so I, I, I just found myself managing delirium a lot and then having to distinguish between is this delirium? Is this, uh, like you mentioned, a kind of a chronic dementia that they've had for a long time? Or is this manifestation of their psychiatric illness? And it can be it can be difficult to do that. So um, then I um, started uh, doing a lot of work in informatics, um, which uh, involves a lot of quality improvement and stuff like that. And I got involved with a, a initiative to improve our overall delirium care in the hospital and worked with Jackie quite a bit, who is Jackie is kind of the heart and soul of our of our delirium initiative and uh, she is an absolute expert at it and um, and we worked together for probably about a year um, putting together a kind of a, a set of practices and um, to really try to improve delirium care throughout the entire hospital. Thanks Eric um, and we'll come back to you uh, that was a great toss over to our next guest who is Jackie Pucorni. Jackie tell us about what you do in the hospital and the work that you've done on delirium. And if you could kind of help us with what Rashini was asking from a texter a few moments ago, what is delirium? Yeah, so I'm a physical therapist and I specialize in treating older adults. So um, being in a hospital setting, physical therapist, occupational therapist, our job is to uh, find out how people's function or strength is impacted by their acute illness or um, after surgery or an accident and get them up and moving and get the, getting them back home. So um, because I work with so many older adults, I started to realize very early, early in my career how at risk they are for developing delirium. So in regards to that question, dementia is when people's cognition changes slowly over time. And there's, you know, different forms of it. Everyone knows about how older adults can start to lose their memory and um, things can slow down that way. But delirium is not that. It's not a normal thing to happen, even though it does. And it can be rather dangerous. So delirium is when all of a sudden someone is acutely having a change in how they think. Um, maybe they're very sleepy and can't wake up, or maybe they are confused and are trying to, and doing sort of crazy things. And so um, our job in what we are working on in, in this initiative that we've rolled out across the hospital is to, early, to do early identification. That's the key. And then there are things that we can do once we identify to try and... Um, help the person recover as quickly as possible because we do know that 
the longer the delirium goes on, there can be sort of long-term cognitive impairments. And that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to help people to get back to their prior selves as quickly as possible. Jackie, um, we, we do have a caller and that we're going to go to um, uh, very quickly, but just but if you could just real quickly tell me, you know, I get calls as an inpatient hospital doctor all the time from family members who say, I called mom in the hospital and she sounds confused as all heck. How common is it in hospitals for people to get confused? Yeah, so we know that um, of general hospital hospitalized patients, it can affect 15 to 25%. It affects so half of elderly patients, and it's often unrecognized. That's the difficult part. And those patients that get really sick and might end up on the ICU and mechanically ventilated, um, it affects 60 to 80%. So it's more common than we would like to see. All right, we have a couple minutes before we have to go to break, but I want to get Patty's call in uh, talking about delirium after surgery. Patty's calling from Minneapolis. Hi there, Patty. Hi, yes. Um, I had a massive back surgery three years ago. I had my whole lumbar spine replaced by cadaver bones, and I was. it took 10 hours, and during the course of the procedure, they nicked my aorta, and I nearly bled out. Um, I don't remember the first day, but when I woke up, they said I had delirium. And for about three days, I thought I was places where I wasn't. To this day, I can remember all where I was. And then I just came out of it. And they called it, you know, post-surgery delirium. But when I went back for my, I was in the hospital for 23 days. And then after, and I was fine after those first three. But when I saw my, uh, PCP, he said he didn't feel that it probably was delirium, or or maybe it's the same thing, but he thought it was from the length of the anesthesia and the massive blood loss. So I'm just wondering what you think about that. First of all, Patty, um, I'm glad you came out of your surgery. It sounds like a big deal for you. So I'm so glad you came out of it. Dr. Hazen, what about postoperative delirium? Um, well, that, the the story that you just told, Patty, is is classic for post surgical delirium. And um, what and and what your um, primary doctor said is not uh, in, inconsistent with that, um, because the the things that cause delirium uh, are pretty much anything that stresses your body and uh, stresses your brain specifically. So severe illness can cause delirium, you know, such as a severe infection or any, any, really any severe illness, head trauma, surgery, like you had, especially a a really major surgery that causes a lot of inflammation and, you know, kind of trauma to the body, Um, dehydration, pain, uh, and medications um, or, or illicit drugs or any kind of toxins uh, that you are exposed to. And so the, you know, the, the anesthesia that you, that you received um, was probably playing a role, as was, you know, the, the surgery and, and, you know, the, the trauma to your body because of the surgery, even though it was a necessary surgery, it sounds. Um, and then being in an unfamiliar environment, um, you know, all, all of those things, you know, they were probably giving you pain medications, which, which caused delirium, you know, 
So, so you described a very classic, and, and it was good that you um, recovered from the delirium because uh, for some people, it lasts a long time. And for some people, unfortunately, some people never recover to their former um, uh, mental function afterwards, um, which, which is the danger that, or one of the dangers um, that Jackie was alluding to earlier. All right. Well, I think we should take a real quick break here, Dr. Hilton. We've got lots of texts coming in for you, Dr. Hazen and Jackie. We want to definitely get to those. Reminding people, we are talking about delirium. The first time Healthy Matters has covered this topic in its 12-year history. Phone and text line 651-989-9226. You are listening to Healthy Matters on WCCO Radio, sponsored by Hennepin Healthcare. Rashini Rajkumar, along with your host, Dr. David Hilden, and Dr. Hilden, our special guest today, Dr. Eric Hazen and Jackie Picorni, really uh, amazing specialists in delirium. Indeed, they are. Thank you, Rashini. Welcome, everybody. If you just tuned in, we're talking about delirium, which is acute confusional situations that people find themselves in. Jackie, um, um, before we go to some of our uh, more listener calls and texts, and there are some, so we have to get to those, I want to talk to you a little bit about delirium in the time of COVID, if you will. Can What are you seeing in your patients um, during this uh, most unusual pandemic? Yeah, I think early on uh, in treating the patients that we see in the hospital who have COVID, we had started to notice how many of them have developed delirium. And across the country, that's sort of the pattern that we're seeing where it's really being talked about that COVID in the hospital setting is sort of a delirium factory, which is another unfortunate side effect. And it likely is because it's such a significant illness and infection to the body. It might be because of medications that are being used to treat the COVID. I think one of the biggest things we're finding, finding is the profound isolation these patients are undergoing. We know that to prevent delirium, you need to have normal interaction. You need to be out of bed and moving. And these patients are so isolated. They can't have visitors. There's minimal even contact with staff. So it's something that we are trying to do our best to kind of promote the mobility. That's really the role of PTs and OTs in the hospital and doing our part to help um, them clear from that delirium status as quickly as possible. But also we at our hospital are trying to work with our primary care providers to screen patients after they leave the hospital because if they have lingering effects, we want to get it treated. And so if you're finding that you've had COVID in the hospital and are feeling that you're not yet functioning at your prior abilities, you haven't been able to return to work, the thing you can do is ask your doctor for a referral to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy to help deal with any of the long-term consequences you've undergone. Thank you, Jackie. No, um, you know, I could paint a picture for listeners of what it's like to be in a hospital room for COVID. You are in a room by yourself. 
The nurse comes in, you know, every now and then, does her or his best, but they're in a gown. They're in a face mask. They're in a, a mask. They have a shield. They have a head bonnet on. All you can see is about four square inches of skin on that nurse or that doctor. It's very disorienting. You're spending five days, 10 days, 15 days, 30 days in a room by yourself. That's, that's hard on anybody, 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 especially if you're an older adult with COVID. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. The other thing is, is that we know that normalcy makes delirium less um, risky. In other words, daylight during the day, night darkness at night, getting out of bed, all the things that you can't do when you have COVID. So I really appreciate those comments, Jackie. Rashini, we have some listeners who have some, some uh, uh, things to say. I mean, the questions are really fascinating. Let's first go to Larry, who's on the line from Maple Lake. Hello. Hi, Larry. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, in 1971, I was 35 years old, and I had a case of mumps that I got from a 7-year-old, and I had a fever of 105.6 degrees. The doctor said I had, uh, that I was, uh, he didn't use the word delirious. He, he used the word delusional. I was wondering how you can... Um, identify the difference between delusional and delirium. Dr. Hazen, do you want to take Larry's question? Sure, I can take that. Um, so that's uh, not contradictory. Um, I would say that delusion, we, we call that a symptom. And, and, and what that means is, is that uh, if you're having a delusion, it means that you're, you think something is true that isn't really true. And, and, it's, uh, and of course, we all we all think things that aren't true, but this is something that's like really obvious that you should know that's not true. You know, like, you know, um, and, and that's common in a lot of different uh, conditions that affect the brain. So delirium is a diagnosis, which which is that means that it's talking about what is actually wrong with your brain. Um, and so one of the symptoms of, a, of, of delirium is, can be delusions. It just means that your brain's not working very well, and so you're not, it's not um, comprehending reality correctly. Well, and along those lines, listen to this text. This listener says, I experienced two days of delirium in a recent stay at HCMC for a neck injury. I vividly experienced two kidnappings and a party at the lake. All from my hospital bed, I sent actual text messages, including one to my wife that I was getting an IV in the neighbor's garage and to bring coffee. Wow. Jackie, Jackie, you know, that texter is not probably uncommon, where literally you're thinking weird things while you're lying in your hospital bed. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk to patients, I think this is an important thing to bring up as well. These things are very vivid and seem very real and can actually be quite traumatizing to patients. Um and so one thing that we know, especially those patients that have been on the ICUs, and, and again, like you said, all the things that you can imagine, you have all these lines and tubes, and you have a tube in your mouth, and um, beeps going off. And some people can come away, if they've had it for very long, with actual PTSD. They can be literally traumatized because they thought that, you know, sometimes they have to be restrained for their safety, so they think they're in jail or that people are doing experiments on them. So that can be another long-term consequence that they need to talk to their doctor about and, again, maybe process that with a therapist or even potentially a psychologist. 
Um, so PTSD after delirium is something that can happen. Yeah, and that brings up can this question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I just wanted I, I just wanted to say that what Jackie just said is, is really important and something that, that is that is important for everyone who's listening to understand is that if you have a loved one who is is in the hospital and is experiencing delirium and and having, you know, this kind of experience that, that, that Jackie and, and the caller just or, or actually that Jackie described where it's um, it's traumatizing the 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 best thing that can be done is to create a safe space for that patient which involves some you know things that they trust things that they know people that they know who can who can uh, talk them through what's really happening reassure them um, and uh, bring them back into reality as as much as possible as often as possible and, and that's the best thing you can do for somebody who's having that experience well, the question I have that sort of might help a lot of our listeners who are texting in is if you have these questions, is a psychologist, a psychiatrist, who's the right person to go to, let's say you suspect a spouse might have this condition? I'll go first. I would say to talk to your primary care provider and especially, I think, as a family member to help explain to say, this is not how they normally are. I mean, one thing that we know in older adults, some early changes of confusion could indicate maybe they have a pneumonia or a bladder infection. That's very common in older adults. So maybe they have something medically going on that needs to be treated. But then I think also um, in people that have been in the hospital and are not getting back to themselves, it's about asking, you know, having that conversation about what the symptoms are, and then the physician or other provider could help decide who to refer this patient to. So it would also depend on which symptoms are most problematic. Jackie, your, your point is a great one, is tell your caregiver, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, your physical therapist, whoever you're dealing with, this is not how they usually are. Because we don't know how your loved one usually is. And if they don't believe you, say it a second time. <laughs> because sometimes, um, you know, not to our credit, sometimes we don't listen very well. So, But if a family member tells me, this is not my mom. Um, and that's, that's a such a simple but helpful thing to yeah. say to the healthcare team. All right, let's cruise through some of these texts in our remaining uh, two to three minutes with our guest today, Dr. Hilden. This person says, is delirium always a result of surgery? Jackie, do you want to take that? No, it doesn't have to be. And I would say as a physical therapist, what we've learned over time is the importance of early mobility to help prevent that. So that's why we're going to come in sometimes the day of surgery and get you up and moving. Hopefully, if not day one, day zero, then day one. Um, that's how something we've really changed in the hospital thing. So understand that that's why we're doing it. So it's not always the outcome, and that, those are some of the interventions we're trying to do. We're trying to prevent delirium by doing early mobility. Right, so this, be nice okay. to your physical therapist. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, th this listener says, my husband has anxiety when it gets dark at night, sleeps with a light on. It all began after strokes and ambulance rides. Is this a form of, of delirium? Dr. Hazen? I can take that one. 
I, without knowing more about that particular case, it kind of sounds a little more like PTSD to me than delirium, because delirium is a, is um, an acute process. Um, in medical terms, we mean that it, it it started very recently, and it and it should just be a short short uh, duration. Um, and it's, it also involves confusion and not thinking clearly and all that. It sounds like maybe what your what your husband has. Uh, might might be more like PTSD, which is an anxiety a type of anxiety disorder that happens after trauma. All right, let's get a couple more texts in real quickly here. Can delirium come on out of the blue? Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean that's basically what it ha- happens, right? But let's say you're at home and you're not in the hospital. That's when you really need to contact your uh, primary care provider because like I said it could indicate something else is going on or it could literally be something else like maybe a stroke is happening so if it starts suddenly at home definitely contact your provider Um, but again that's what we noticed in the hospital like literally someone could be functioning fine for two days and then all of a sudden they change and that can happen so those are the things like when we do um, daily assessments, especially the nurses, the therapists, when we're working with the patients, if we notice a sudden change, then we are aggressively trying to deal with uh, our interventions to prevent it turning into a more severe delirium. All right. So we've got about 20 seconds, Jackie. Maybe you want to take this one in light of your specialty. How would delirium be treated in dementia patients? So the most important thing is if your loved one has dementia, or even as Patty said before, she experienced delirium, you are prone to having it happen again if you have dementia. So the important thing is if you end up in the hospital, you need to have your loved one advocate for you and tell your providers that my loved one is at risk of experiencing delirium. So can we look at medications? Can we make sure they're moving? Can we do things on the front end to help minimize the risk? Thank you, Jackie. You know, this has been, a, you know, time flies when we're learning something new. And so I, uh, we're going to have to go to a break and we're going to have to close the show about our topic of delirium. But I have learned something. I hope you all have learned something. We've been talking with Dr. Eric Hazen, who is a, a a primary care physician and a specialist in treating um, patients with the intersection with mental health and medical health um, problems. And we've been talking to Jackie Pucorni, who is an adult geriatric um, physical therapist at Hennepin Healthcare. Jackie, thank you for being with us today. All right, and we'll take a break. We'll, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll try to get in some final calls and texts, 651-989-9226 with Dr. Hilden. The time always seems to fly. Rashini Rajkumar and Dr. David Hilden back with you on Healthy Matters presented by Hennepin Healthcare. Such an interesting topic, Dr. Hilden, and I'm wondering if uh, you can answer a couple quick questions uh, that, that just come to mind and sort of encapsulate some of the texts we didn't get to Really, people want to know when they see signs or are questioning this erratic behavior in their loved ones, what's the first step? 
Yeah, it's a good question. As we, we've been talking about delirium today with our guests, Eric Hazen and Jackie Picorni. And um, just to wrap that up, if you are seeing a change in your loved one. Now, delirium is exceptionally common in the hospital exceptionally common. Um, I think Jackie said it's up to, um, it's, it's 50, 60, 80% of patients in some situations will get delirious. And um, so it's very common in the hospital. And but is that pretty much anesthesia induced? Or? It's, just, it's just due to all the various risk factors that happen. Being in an unfamiliar situation is a risk factor. Being in pain is a risk factor. Having pre-existing mental health conditions is a risk factor. Having pre-existing dementia is a risk factor. And then the medications we give you are a risk factor. And then again, anesthesia and surgery. But you don't have to have had a surgery. If you're in an ICU, you have a 50-50 shot of getting delirium. And it leads to worse outcomes. So that's why hospitals, including our two experts today, they're working on protocols so that we in the hospital recognize it early. We get you out of bed. We get you um, things that'll reduce the likelihood of um, you having problems with delirium. You know, putting pictures of your family in your hospital is more than just a nice thing. It it reorients you so that you can, um, it, even that has been shown to help. So it's a complicated um, situation in hospitals. But your first step, call your primary doctor um, if you're having concerns about a loved one. Yeah, no, that is really, really great advice. And just in general, we can all, we are our family's best lines of defense, right? Uh, okay, we want to we give a little plug to next Sunday. It's our special open line show. It's the Hot Topics open line show. And are you still taking votes for the three topics we'll be covering? Well, you can put your votes in at myhealthymatters.org if you wish. Um, please go to myhealthymatters.org anyway um, to look at the blog site. I do periodic postings, including about a six-month series called A Doctor's Diary from a Pandemic. So you might want to go just to look at that and get my musings and pictures and the like. But also, if you have a, um, hot topics questions, so far the leading ones are about um, creative ways of connecting during COVID with our elders supplements, um, nutritional supplements, and bone health. We might do those three, but we might not. We will see. Um, go to myhealthymatters.org. And while you're on your internet, if you want to help frontline workers, go to hennepinhealthcare.org, scroll down a little ways, and it says ways you can support workers. They're working on Thanksgiving. They're there for you if you need to be there. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org, scroll down, and find out ways you can help donate to healthcare workers. So important. And I do want to take a few seconds to just say thank you, frontline workers and your families, because if you are a loved one of a frontline worker, you are part uh, mm. of all of this and really having some extra stressors right now. And while we're plugging ahead, promoting ahead, Dr. Hilden, I want to tell people you're coming on my show, Real Talk with Rashini, on December 13th. So really looking forward to having you on there and uh, we'll have to ruminate together on what what you're going to focus on. But I can't wait to have you on my show. I can't wait to do that. December 13th, I get to be on Real Talk. That's a treat for me. That's in the uh, uh, we're going to do that in the 10 o'clock hour, I think, on the 13th. So you'll get a double shot of Dr. Hilda that day from 7 to 8 a.m. on his show, Healthy Matters. And then with me on Real Talk with Rashidi in the 10 a.m. hour. Well, the time always flies when we're together. Of course, meet us back here at the same time, 7 to 8 a.m. on News Talk 830 WCCO for another edition of Healthy Matters next Sunday, the last Sunday of November, for a special Open Lines Hot 
Topics Edition. We can't wait. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.